David Icke is the epitome of somebody who stood up when standing up was uncool. You know, he stood up when he was the only voice um, out there in the wilderness. He's he's had his own journey yeah. from being, you know, a soccer player to, you know, part of the Green Party and also part of mainstream media, having his own spiritual awakening and just being so relentless and being such a um, strong voice and always remaining steadfast and um, ultimately... And ultimately being right. Yes, that is the that is the most important thing. David, welcome to the show. Um, you are getting to that point, I think, where you'll probably always be too humble to say this, but you are getting to the point where you can say, I told you so. Absolute vindication. Yeah, hello. Um, good morning from uh, England. And uh, what you're doing is fantastic. And what is happening with this situation in New Zealand is an absolute microcosm that reveals the whole. Because the plan, I mean, I have this phrase, know the outcome and you'll see the journey. If you don't know the outcome, then daily events, even the one that we're talking about now, can seem random. They can seem in and of themselves. There's no pattern to them. But once you know where we're being taken, and ever more obviously now, then those apparently random events take on a very different uh, perspective. They become very clear stepping stones to um, an end. And that end, that outcome, is for a global fascist Orwellian, beyond Orwellian dictatorship which is centrally dictated to every community in the world. And humanity would be controlled by technology, by artificial intelligence. And this world government, which would not eventually be elected, would be a technocratic government which brings me very much into focus of what's happening in New Zealand now. What is a technocratic government? It's one that is run, unelected, by bureaucrats, engineers, scientists, doctors, and the medical um, network. So what we've seen since the COVID card was played is what has been hidden, well, to most people under the surface, coming into public display. And what we're looking at is a global cult that I've been exposing now for 32 years, 33 years nearly, that has its operatives and agents all over the world. But those agents are not acting independently. Obviously, they're agents. They are acting on behalf of the centrally driven cult, the inner core of the cult. And so if you look at how this this cult works, suddenly everything comes into perspective in New Zealand, in Britain, in in, uh, Canada, everywhere. Imagine a spider at the center of a web and the web is um, encompassing the world. The spider in the hidden, you never see it, is driving a global agenda. And that global agenda 
is founded on the constant centralization of power and the erosion of individual rights. Because the, the more you centralize power, the more power you have at the center to centralize even quicker, which is why the speed of centralization and centralized global control has got faster and faster and faster. So immediately around the spider in the web, you've got the most exclusive secret societies. They're the ones that operate absolutely in the shadows, and they'll have the bigger, uh, bigger picture of what's going on, who's doing it, and why. You come out from those inner circle secret societies, many of which don't even have names, makes them harder to track. And you hit the area of the web, still in the hidden, where you have the secret societies we do know about. You have the Freemasons, you have Opus Dei, you have the inner core of the Jesuit order, you have the Knights Templar, the Knights of Malta. And when I talk about Freemasons, I'm not talking about Bill and Joe down the lodge um, in Auckland. I'm talking about the inner core. Bill and Joe down the lodge in Auckland are the, the front most overwhelmingly an ignorant front uh, for the core um, that's driving uh, Freemasonry from the center. Then you reach a point as you come out from the web where the inner meets the scene. This is what I call the cusp. And at the cusp, you find organizations like the Bilderberg Group, the Council on Foreign Relations in America, the Trilateral Commission, uh, the um, a Club of Rome, which was created by this network in 1968, specifically to exploit the environment to justify centralization of global power, hence what we are told to believe in human-caused global warming. And um, you also have uh, others uh, like the UN, which is uh, an organization created by the Rockefeller family. And indeed, the headquarters of the UN is sitting on land given free in New York by the Rockefeller family for this very uh, end. You then um, also have at this cusp organizer uh, level what are called non-governmental organizations and think tanks. They are legion all over the world. Many of them funded like the Open Society Foundations by George Soros out of the United States. And so the job of the CUSP organizations, although enormous numbers of people working for them won't realize this is what they're being used for, but the inner core will, is to take the agenda from the hidden and play it out into the public arena, the world of the scene that people read about in the news every day and see on the television. And when you look at the world again, from a perspective of not knowing any of this, you have the appearance of random companies, random corporations, random World Health Organization, random doctors, random health uh, networks in individual countries, and random banking systems, random governments, agencies. But that's not how it, it works, and that's not what's happening. If you go deep enough in these organizations, go deep enough into the Silicon Valley censoring corporations, go deep enough in the World Health Organization, go deeply enough into the structure of government in, um, in New Zealand, for instance, 
you'll find that these apparently random uh, individual agencies and people lock into this web. And what that means is this. You can look, for instance, at the World Health Organization, which um, came out with the COVID narrative. And then you can look at Silicon Valley corporations that right at the start said, we're going to censor information, opinion, evidence that contradicts the World Health Organization narrative. Now, on the face of it, you say, well, hold on a minute. This is a world um, health operation created by the Rockefeller family in 1948 that also created the big pharma cartel through J.D. Rockefeller. Anyone see a, a, a constant theme here? <laughs> so this is a health organization. This is supposed to be a public forum, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Google, um, YouTube, owned by Google. So why would they do that? Well, when you realize that the World Health Organization was created by the cult, via the Rockefellers, and is now run, controlled uh, by Bill Gates, who is a Rockefeller gopher, those families go way back. I've seen uh, some genealogy that claims they actually fuse at some point in the, in the past. And then you've got Silicon Valley, which um, was not, uh, is not only controlled by this cult, hence the censorship to support the cult agenda, but was actually created by it. Look at the history of Google, now owns YouTube. Look at the history of Facebook. And you'll see organizations like DARPA, the technological development arm of the Pentagon. You'll find organizations like IQT or InQtel, the technological development arm of the CIA. And so what you've got, once you see how this works, is the World Health Organization owned and created by the cult, having its narrative that people are supposed to believe defended from challenge by Silicon Valley, which is owned by the cult. And then you go to the, a, another example, which is very, very uh, relevant to the subject of what we're talking about. You will notice um, that... Whenever big pharma corporations like Pfizer and Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, all these people, but particularly Pfizer and Moderna, when they go to so-called regulatory agencies, it doesn't matter if it's in New Zealand or Britain or America. In America, it's the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. In Britain, it's the uh, MHRA. Um, and these agencies are supposed to defend the public from the excesses, corruption, murder by Big Pharma. But you know, if you know anything about how it works, you know that when these Big Pharma corporations go to these regulatory agencies that are supposed to protect us, they are going to get permission to use their fake vaccine, because it's not actually a vaccine by any previous criteria, on younger and younger and younger people, right down into, into uh, babies now around the world, you know they're going to get it. Why do you know? Because you know that the big pharma cartel, Pfizer, all of them, was um, answers to this cult that created them. 
And you know that the regulatory agencies of so-called government are controlled by the same cult. And so what you've got is cult operations, Pfizer, Moderna, going to cult operations, um, the regulatory agencies, to ask permission to advance the cult agenda of fake vaccinating every man, woman, and child on the planet. And why would they do that? Which brings us even to more focus on current events in New Zealand. Why would they want, and Bill Gates said this from day one, a complete psychopath, by the way, he said, we won't go back to normal until everybody is in the uh, in the world is basically fake vaccinated um now we know that a what they claimed about this virus and i talk about that for legions is not true we've seen that now we know from pfizer that this fake vaccine wasn't even tested to see if it stopped transmission before they played it out so why would someone like Gates, an absolute cult gopher, it's where his money came from, why would he want every man, woman, and child fake vaccinated? Because of what's in it. And if you look now at the unbelievable mountains of evidence of how many people this fake vaccine has killed worldwide, and how many uh, people's health has been destroyed for life and their life expectancy massively short, then you can see that what this fake vaccine is, is mass global murder. And so some people, obviously, who have a mind of their own, looked at this, didn't just take what the state broadcasters in New Zealand and, and uh, America and uh, the main broadcasters in America, state broadcaster BBC in uh, Britain said. They looked and checked out other sources of information. The very sources that co-owned big uh, um, Silicon Valley is desperate to stop and has done in many ways, but not totally. And they've said, hold on a minute. Have you seen these uh, microscope, electron microscope images from the blood of people who've been vaccinated? Have you seen them? Have you seen these uh, the, the nanotechnology and the synthetic genetic mRNA material that's being infused into people through this fake vaccine? Have you seen how it's like a technology that's, that's self-replicating and building inside the, the body? No way am I having this fake vaccine. No way am I having an experimental uh, fake vaccine that uh, the people who are hoisting it, foisting it upon us, have uh, no comeback because they uh, are uh, protected from financial consequences for what it does. Why? Why would I have it? So what we have are a significant number of people who um, have not had it and have not had this stuff in their body. And they're after them now. And one of the ways they're after them is through the blood transfusion service to get this material into the body through blood transfusions 
to those who have not had it. And so suddenly, I mean, what has happened in New Zealand is just did not shock me at all. It's par for the course. You have a situation, talking earlier about the erosion of individual uh, freedom to the collective imposition, where intelligent parents have realized there's something not right about this fake vaccine. Uh, and so they don't want vaccine, fake vaccine tainted blood given to their baby. Now, in a free society, and New Zealand's nothing like a free society, it's actually a fascist society masquerading as a democracy, which is the same in Britain, it's the same in America, etc. Um, and I can talk about Jacinda Ardern at some length, if you want, and her part in this global web. Absolutely. But, um, which is why she's imposing the global web's agenda on New Zealand. I mean, hello, wake up. So this is why you're having this pushback from the system when people who've not been jabbed are quite happy to say, oh, no, no, I'll, I'll give the blood. No, no, no. Because it's not where the agenda of the cult wants to go. It wants this tainted blood and or, or vaccine directly uh, infused in every man, woman and child on the planet. And and therefore, you, and, and, and one of the things I mentioned earlier, I'll, 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 I'll finish uh, on, on this, um, about the technocracy. We have seen in the last, well, it was always there, but it's come to the surface where it, it can't be hidden anymore. We have a um, Hippocratic oath, hypocritical oath, I would call it, that doctors talk about do no harm. And what they've been doing, disgustingly, outrageously, criminally, fascistically, since the COVID card was played, is do enormous harm yes. to enormous, fantastic amounts of people worldwide. And this is how the te technocracy is supposed to work, where the medical profession, and I say that uh, advisedly, becomes not a force for healing and a force for good, but becomes a weapon of tyranny. And if you have doctors in New Zealand who are refusing to give unfake vaccinated tainted blood to a baby because the parents are intelligent enough to see what's going on, then you're not dealing with doctors. You're dealing with Joseph bloody Mengele and the Nazis. That's what you're dealing with. And we've come to the point now where people, all of us all over the world, need to face the situation that's before us. We are not living in democracies. We're living in fake democracies, masquerading as democracies that are actually centrally controlled tyrannies. And I, I, I said I'd finish on that. I'll finish on this. It, it is an example. You have um, this global web, and it has uh, obviously elements in it that are very significant, that are, that are, are playing out the web uh, and the, the, the cult agenda. One of them is the World Economic Forum of Klaus Schwab. It's become, as we've made it obvious 
its part in this to anyone who wants to look at one of the most infamous of the cult um, uh, fronts. And it's been running for years now a young leaders school to develop young leaders that they will then manipulate into power in countries around the world to impose the cult agenda. One of them is Jacinda Ardern, which explains everything. She's a former aide to Tony Blair. You know what the cult agenda is because he's telling you every time his lips move. This man is agenda, gopher, yes, but agenda to his DNA. So is Ardern. You have Macron in France, another World Economic Forum global leader. You have Trudeau's turned Canada fascist, uh, another one. You have his deputy prime minister in Canada, who is absolutely an asset of uh, and, and very, very much involved in the World Economic Forum. You have Gavin Newsom, who's turned California fascist in the COVID era, who is a young leader school graduate from the World Economic Forum. So what I'm saying is Jacinda Ardern actually should be in jail for the rest of her life for what she's done to New Zealand and New Zealand people is not representing you, New Zealand. That's not why she's there. It's not why Trudeau's there, as you can see what's happened in Canada with the truckers and what else, anyone who's uh, challenging them. They're not there to represent you. This is the penny, the banking system, actually, that has to drop so that we see what's going on. They are there to impose in their sphere of influence, in this case, New Zealand, the cult centralized dictated agenda and that's the background to this microcosm of the macrocosm this outrage currently going on in new zealand wow we could just uh listen to you all day well in fact i have actually i've done that if anyone ever gets the chance to see david i go and check him out of course uh he's been banned now i think david from 27 countries you are due to go and speak um at a freedom rally and and what are they scared of why why are they trying to shut you down well there's what they're scared of is what i've just said <laughs> well in part many other things too because the rabbit hole goes very deep but that basic structure as I know from my own experience, when people see the basic structure, where we're being taken, how we're being taken there, and to what end, and who's taking us there in terms of personnel, then suddenly uh, daily random events cease to be random. And they, ah, that's a stepping stone to that. And people start to get streetwise to it. They're terrified of that. Yeah, what happened in the Netherlands, where, of course, another World Economic Forum gopher called Mark Rutter, is now trying to destroy 3,000 farmers at a time when the food supply of the world is being undermined on purpose by this very cult to create dependency. Um, What happened is I was simply invited, and I'd already been banned from Australia in 2019, of course, can't go there. Um, They're terrified of the truth there, like everywhere else. Uh, But I was invited to speak at a peace rally in a place called Dam Square in Amsterdam back in early November. Uh, And it was a a peace rally against war, you know, and all all these things that we'd like to stop. So, of course, I agreed. And then all hell broke loose. 
Um, there was an organization uh, in the Netherlands called SIDI. It's an ultra-Zionist organization. Um, and they started putting out that I'm this, that, and the other. Absolute nonsense, absolute inversion of, of where I'm coming from. But it, this is the point, you see, and this is very relevant to New Zealand because it's very relevant to everywhere. Um, there's two types of people that create tyranny. It's not even the tyrants that create tyranny. There's never enough of them directly. The people that create tyranny are two types of mentality, and you'll recognize them in New Zealand immediately because they're everywhere. There's group number one, which believes anything authority tells it without question. If they're told to take a fake uh, vaccine that is not even uh, a vaccine and has not uh, been given uh, full approval, then they'll do it. And that unquestioning obedience, that unquestioning acquiescence to authority is the very reason why, if you look through human history, a tiny few people have always controlled the vast majority because the vast majority or this element of them, which is massive, um, just do what they're told without question. Then you've got the second group, which allows tyranny. Can I, to, can I just ask you, David, does that come from schooling? Is that because had these had that group not been put through a system designed to break them into a robotic, you know, answering to bells and being told what to do by an authority figure, had they been allowed to be homeschooled and much more free, do you think they might not have ended up so so cravenly submissive? Absolutely right. And that's why I've written um, at such length about what is a cradle-to-grave programming system. Mm. You think about it. You see, the point being, if, if you want to um, control, there's only a few of you, ultimately, in full knowledge, what you're doing, compared with the target population. So you know that you cannot do it physically. Yes, you can use your brutal bloody police force and stuff like that, but you know that if enough numbers won't have it, you can't impose it. So the only way the few are going to control the many is by controlling the perceptions of the many because where, where do our perceptions come from? First of all, they come from information received in various and many ways from a personal experience to a Facebook post. So this is where the censorship comes in because they want to stop any information that would get people to see a, or have another perception of a situation being available to the public. This is what, what it's really uh, all about in the end. So they created what they call the education system, which you know is a joke in terms of uh, what it's claimed to be. And what it is is a programming system. So if you look at um, a human life, you come out of the womb and your parents, uh, unless they're awake, who've been through the same system you're about to go through, start the programming of your perception. Not based on malevolence, but they believe that what they've been told is true, so they tell you. You then, this is a crucial moment, very early on in life, just, you've only just come into the world you go into the school system. 
And when you get there on day one, there's an authority figure representing the state and representing the version of reality of the state through the curriculum that is telling you when you have to be there, when you can leave, when you can go to the toilet, when you can talk, even when you can eat. And the programming starts because children from an early age start to realize that if you buck the system by refusing to do what it tells you to do, like in school, there are consequences. If you just do what you're told, then you don't get those consequences. What you get is a download of lifelong subservience. You then go into your universities and your colleges, and the same process happens, where um, the state's version of everything is, 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 is downloaded. And then you go out into the world of work, and you meet people in the world of work that have been through the same system you just have, but earlier. And also, I should mention, they have a thing called exams, Exams is the process by which the system tests if you downloaded what the system wants you to believe so you'll repeat it on an exam paper. <laughs> and the more you do that, not the more you buck the system, no, the more you um, follow the system, the higher the educational grades you get. So you go out into the world of work and you meet all these people who've been through the system you've been through only earlier and they're all confirming to you that what you uh, believe and what you've been led to believe is true. Oh, everyone knows that, mate. And I would symbolize it like this. You're, you sit in the womb uh, with a headset on, a virtual reality headset. You come out of the womb, you've still got your headset on, and you have two parents. They've got the headset on. You go to school, the teacher in front of you has got the headset on. You go to college, university... The, the professors have got their headset on. And you go out into the world of work and everyone you're working with virtually has a headset on. And you go all the way through your life and, and journalists, what a joke that word is for most of them, um, who have headsets on are telling the, the headsetted population what to believe and confirming that what they believe is true. You, you, you turn on the television and the news comes on and some bloke or woman in a headset is going hello good evening and welcome here is the news we want you to believe and you go th entirely through your life and you take the headset to the grave now what is going to happen unless you are in your power and you refuse to um concede your individuality and your power what's going to happen to people that don't do that they're going to believe that what the headsets told them all their life is true and real and reality. And the headset is um, becoming the dominant, dominant more than ever before vehicle for information and perception because all other elements are being squeezed through censorship, uh, which, of course, as Jacinda Ardern has, has called for at the UN and all that stuff. Why? Because she's she's singing for a supper and licking the, the, the boots of her masters or somewhere else. So, therefore, you can understand why people fall into this trap of just um, following authority, because that's pretty much what they've done all their life. 
Mm. And then the second group I was talking about, and these are crucial, are those, again, in enormous number, that see they're being lied to and um, don't want to do what they're being told to do. There will have been a lot of those people in New Zealand, because there were everywhere else. New Zealand's are just, a, again, a microcosm of the world. Um, but they're too frightened, because they fear consequences from authority, of not doing what authority tells them. And if you take those two groups, the unquestioning obedient and the obedient through fear of not being obedient, they are the two groups that are responsible for every tyranny in history. Because just do the mathematics. Eight billion people cannot be controlled by a relative handful, ultimately, unless the eight billion, in enormous numbers, acquiesce to the diktats of the few. That's how it works. Um, and then there's the third group, and that's the group that will be watching this broadcast. That's the group that will be behind the parents of a four-month-old child. And that's the truly renegade mind, which sees it's being lied to, which sees that its freedom is being systematically deleted and says, we're not having it. We are not cooperating with our own enslavement. We will not do it. And that's the group throughout human history that has ended every tyranny, and it will have to be the group that ends this one. And what we need, because the first group, okay, you, you, maybe they, they will, some will awaken, yeah, I, we hope so, we, that's what we work for. But the second group that can see it's not right, but are frightened of not acquiescing anyway, people in that group, Ladies and gentlemen of New Zealand, the world, anywhere, you've got to grow a spine. You've got to grow a pair. And you've got to move out of that into the renegade group and not just see it, but refuse to cooperate with it. Because then we've got a chance of dismantling it. Why? Because we're holding it together. It's a house of cards which is held together by people acquiescing in those two ways to stand there holding up the house of cards. And uh, something like uh, what is happening now has many uh, elements to it. And one is the possibility, and I'm sure it will have happened for a number of people in New Zealand, to actually look at what's happening. Take a breath, take a step back, look at it. You have parents who are not refusing a blood transfusion. They just want unvaccinated, tainted blood put into their child. And the state is refusing to do it. More than that, and this is another very important point, as I have been reading, I don't know what the situation is with it uh, exactly now. You have the state seeking to take custody of the baby. Now, I've been writing about this for God knows how long, decades. And I've met so many parents around the world who have had their loving parents, who have had their children taken away 
by a fascistic social services on spurious reasons. And one of the people, in fact, the key person that introduced new criteria for that, that has allowed enormous expansions of children being taken from loving parents in Britain, was the aforementioned Tony Blair. And so you have this situation where parents are intimidated. I mean, I know parents in this country, parents in America, who are terrified, loving parents, terrified of the knock on the door from social services because they think they, they fear their children will be taken away because they're not doing uh, exactly what the, unbelieving exactly what the system wants them to do. And this fear of doing that creates this, a more of this second group. I don't want to do this. I don't want to conform, but I might lose my child. Now, what I would say to you parents in New Zealand and everywhere else is that it's baby will now, but I can tell you it's planned to be your kids tomorrow. Mm. The criteria for doing it is just going to get more and more extreme until the knock comes on your door or the point where you have absolutely no say in the development and um, the, the growing up of your children. That's what's planned. And I've watched this expand and expand towards that end now for at least 20 years, very clearly. So I'd say this to you in New Zealand, uh, those that think, oh, no, it's not my problem. Are you going to stand up now? Are you going to draw the line? Is Ardern going to do what is absolutely just and right, and that's go to jail for the rest of her life for crimes against humanity and crimes against the uh, New Zealand uh, people? Or are you just going to say it's not my problem? Well, no, it's not my child. It's not my baby. Not my problem. All right. Well, when the knock comes on the door to you, then who's going to stand up for you? You know that wonderful uh, phrase that came from that uh, pastor, Pastor Neumoller in Germany? Uh, words to the effect of, first they came for the trade unionists, and I was not a trade unionist, so I did nothing. Then they came for the communists, and I was not a communist, so I did nothing. Then they came for the Jews, and I was not a Jew, so I did nothing. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. And that is what is happening. They're playing off elements of society, people challenging the vaccination against those that are just accepting it without question. People that believe in climate change, because that's what they've been told to believe in, against those that don't, because they've got a mind of their own. All these things are dividing and ruling the population to the point where the population in totality is subject to the, um, the tyranny I'm describing. And, uh, and you're much closer to this than me, but... If someone said to me, and, and I've said this over the years many times, um, so what will the world be like if we do nothing? 
and we go on accepting impositions and fascism like the the parents of baby will are being subjected to what will it be like and I, I i just repeat what i've been saying for at least 20 25 years again if you want to see the west and the rest of the world tomorrow look at china today and that's always been the case and i would just just a little bit of background on that the Chairman Mao revolution in China was a cult revolution. He was a front for the cult, like all these people are, just like the Xi Jinping is now. And the reason it happened was to create a closed society of total control in which a, a system of mass surveillance and top-down imposition over the fine detail of people's lives could be incubated and perfected. So that at some point, once perfected and uh, developed, could be played out across the world as the global system. And that is what has happened to the West since the COVID card, which was played out of China. And so now we have people trying to push back in China against a system whereby you have to produce QR codes for everything. And if you've not got every single box ticked on the QR code, there are consequences under their social credit system where you are basically excluded from society or locked down in hundreds of millions now um, in your own home. Um, and what does anyone think the vaccine passport is about? Look at look at COVID. COVID was the card played to advance dramatically, hence it was supported by Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab and everyone, the usual suspects, to transform society far closer to the uh, Chinese system and then to continue it on from there, which is what's happening. So you couldn't go to places unless you had a QR code that said you were fake vaccinated. You couldn't, you couldn't work in many instances, earn a living, unless you had the right QR code. What is that? It's China going global because this cult does not have borders. It, it sees the world as its entire fiefdom. And so just because you have someone called Chinese at the top of a Chinese uh, fascist government, and you have someone called Ardern at the top of a democratic New Zealand government, it doesn't matter. The borders don't exist to the cult. They're for public consumption. These are agents of the same centrally dictated plan. And that plan is to play out across the world the uh, global version of the extreme and beyond even where it is now, uh, Chinese system. That's the point. That's why the Silicon Valley corporations, your Apples, your Facebooks, your Googles are so, and, and, and your Bloombergs, all these people are so in bed with the Chinese government because they're actually part of the same network. So that's what we're facing. And Baby Will has uh, been, um, uh, is being used as a vehicle, or not necessarily a vehicle, but as a symbol 
it's a symbol what's happening of this system playing out where parents can't even decide what the nature of the blood that their baby has, even when it's available. So it's, it's like I said right at the start, what is happening with the situation in New Zealand is a microcosm of a vast, vast macrocosm. But 8 billion people, the majority of people in New Zealand cannot be imposed upon by morons like Ardern unless they allow it to happen. It's not possible. The mathematics don't play out. And so we have this situation now in every country where people have to make a decision. Are they going to sit there and just be spectators for their own enslavement and the enslavement of everyone else? And more than that, the enslavement for life of their kids and grandkids. Or are they going to grow a pair, stand up, summon some testosterone and say, we're not having it. No, no. No, the most powerful word in any language, if it's used properly. And we've been saying, yes, 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 sir, for far too long. And now a baby is taking the consequences of that. Enough. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, something, <clears throat> there is a debate even here as to how we give the message out, how we uh, relate our knowledge to other people. Um, and even with our own, within our own groups, there are people who want to rein us in. And I hate people trying to rein me in. This one, typical example of that. I'm all about shock and awe. Get it right in their face and tell them like you have. This is going to happen if you don't do that. I am sick to death of the pussyfooting around that you must articulate yourself in a prescribed manner, just as you said, like I've said many times on the show, of how they accept that you're at the level of brainwashing they need because you've um, got the credentials now through signed off pieces of paper. What would your advice be to real men who don't look for pronouns here, who are not full of estrogen and gone, gone backwards in the evolutionary scale, who have had a bloody gutsful of sitting around, feeling like we've had ourselves neutered because someone else hasn't got the guts to do what we want to do and therefore try to make us feel bad because of it. Well, just on that point, um, it's no accident at all that testosterone levels are falling all over the world dramatically, just as sperm counts are falling dramatically, catastrophically all over the world. They don't want that I'm not having it mentality. I mean, you know, we're all consciousness. We're all expressions of consciousness. But in the human experience, you have the male and you have the female. Much of that may be questioned now. You do. And therefore, the male has a role to play in this uh, society. And it's not to quiver and shiver and acquiesce to tyranny. That's not what, that, that's not what we're here for. Uh, because, again, you know, if you uh, prevaricate, if you're all this far but no further, then all they're going to do is keep moving the whole thing forward 
until the point is reached and we're closing in on that so fast. Thank you, uh, Elon Musk. Thank you, uh, Ray Kurzweil at Google and all the rest of you in Silicon Valley, where they want to connect openly, they're openly saying it, artificial intelligence to the human brain, the human mind, which will mean then that we've reached the point where there is no longer any need to manipulate information and suppress information to form perception because your perceptions will come direct from AI. The words of Ray Kurzweil at Google. Um, we will um, start uh, connecting AI to the human uh, brain, the human mind from around 2030. And from then on, AI will do more and more of human thinking until human thinking as we know it is basically negligible. So that's where it's going. And that's why I say, and not too far from now either, I mean, it's happening around us. And therefore, you know, people need to face the fact that it's now or never, it's literally now or never. And what I would say to people is this, <clears throat> this um, second group that can see some of it and doesn't want to do it and doesn't like where the world's going, but does it anyway because it's frightened of not doing it, that group is enslaved by something called consequences. So they're looking at what they'd like to do, really, but then saying, what are the consequences for me of doing it? Yep. And they, if you do that, you will list enough consequences eventually to say, ah, oh, well, I'd like to do what I know to be right, but not that badly. And so you acquiesce, reluctantly, but you do, because consequences have got hold of you. Now, what I would say to people is, if you think the consequences of standing up now and refusing to cooperate, refusing to acquiesce now are bad, potentially, then you stick around for a bit longer and you see the consequences for all of us of you not standing up now and ceasing to acquiesce. And by the way, find your children, find your grandchildren, look them in the eye and tell them that you are too frightened to do what you know to be right when they are going to live in the extremes of the extremes of the extremes of this tyranny all the way through their, what's left of their lives. And, and, and I say this to law enforcement around the world, in New Zealand, in this case, to government administrators who are just administering into being what their masters tell them to do, and they do it without question. Yes, sir, no, sir. Look your children and grandchildren in the eye and tell them that you can justify what you're doing in terms of its impact on their future. And, and remember this, those people, law enforcement, etc. The day will come when your kids and grandkids will say to you, mummy, daddy, granddad, grandma, what were you doing? when this tyranny came in that controls every aspect of my life. And you're going to have to say, and I say this to the pathetic excuses for journalists, 
who just repeat and promote the agenda without question and demonize those that challenge it. You're going to have to say to those kids and grandkids, when they say, what were you doing when this tyranny came in? You're going to have to say, I was helping it happen, dear. And I, I, I wish you all the best with that one. So yeah. we, are, we, we are really at a point now. And, and this situation with Will absolutely encapsulates it in its own way, where we, we, we're fast reaching the point of crossing the point of no return. And that point of no return is when AI is telling us what to think. And David, and can I just interrupt you just before we get to that point? Please, can you speak to the woman too? Because you've done an amazing job speaking to the men. Now, the women need to realize the programming that uh, feminism has been. And the fact that, David, ha I mean, seriously, how many generations do you think we've got of women actually having and naturally conceiving babies with the plummeting fertility rates, the, the, the amount of babies that are being... Um, you know, miscarried now with the result of um, this fake vaccine and, and of course, abortions being used now as um, birth control and this pill coming out and, and um, testosterone being labelled toxic and men not knowing whether they're women or men anymore. How many generations and what is going to happen to, to babies? This is about baby will. How many more baby wills are there going to be uh, or are we looking at seriously um, babies being being grown in wombs and factories, and that is going to be the end of natural uh, child creation. Uh, how many generations? Uh, we're living it in the generation. We're living in the generation now. And you raise a, a, a massively important point that, again, uh, I can connect an enormous amount of dots from. Know the outcome and you'll see the journey. What is the outcome? The outcome planned, I've been saying this for so long, long before these jabs, is to create a totally new human, yep. a non-procreating human 2.0 that will be far more synthetic in nature and will be through um, nanotechnology connected to a cloud, as Kurzweil calls it. Think of a Wi-Fi cloud, which is being uh, developed and generated through towers around the world, now 5G, 6G, 7G to come, and is being um, projected at every inch of the planet eventually from low-orbit satellites, tens of thousands of which are being put up by Elon Musk, the free speech absolutist. Um, and so that's the human they want. Non-procreating human, what does that mean? It means the species will be produced technologically. And it will be produced technologically in genetic castes. The worker class will have a genetics that will limit their ability to serving their masters. And then you uh, go up to the elite class, which will be a genetics that will give far more uh, potential um, for everything to the elite class. And we don't really have to look so far to see that world described because it was described in 1932 by Aldous Huxley in Brave New World. And I explain in the books why he would have known that and how we could have known that, how Orwell could have known in 1948.
And what Huxley described, which was artificial wombs creating the species, and wait for this on the back of what I've been saying uh, earlier in our chat, the state would bring up the children and we would have no parents because there would be no need for procreation. And so then you start, um, and by the way, the technology that Orwell, uh, that um, Huxley described is now coming online. And as I've said so many times over the years, what you see in terms of the technological cutting edge in the public arena is light years behind what's in the underground bases waiting to come out in the sequence. This is why this technological um, expansion and development never has these uh, periods where people are strumming their fingers around a table saying, well, when's the next stage of the com uh, coming to, to, to let this uh, technological control system move on? No, no, it's coming out faster and faster. Why? because it's already there in the underground bases. And they create front men like Gates and these people, Musk, to front up how this stuff plays out into the public arena. It's a cover story. So let's look at some other things on the basis of what I've just said. Why are sperm counts plummeting around the world? Testosterone uh, plummeting around the world. And it's being done through chemicals in, in, in food. It's been chemicals in, uh, in plastics, chemicals in even till receipts. Why till receipts? Because everyone touches them. And it's being done through radiation. The, uh, the number of people I see sitting with their um, laptop on their men with their laptop on their, on their lap. Well, where do they think that radiation is going? straight into the sperm, which is a, everything is a, it has a, 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 an electromagnetic field, including sperms. It's part of life in this reality. Thus, the electromagnetic field from the computer is affecting the electromagnetic field of the sperm, which is affecting the nature of the sperm and destroying and making infertile the sperm. Um, and, the reason this is happening is because if you're going to bring in human 2.0, you've got to phase out human 1.0, which is why you've got people that are, are, are experts in this field of, of uh, fertility are saying that we can now start to see the period in this century when there will be no procreation between humans because there won't be the fertility to do it. Then you look at the warnings before this fake uh, vaccine was played out, that it would fundamentally affect the fertility of men and the fertility of women. Now, we've seen the massive effects. You mentioned some of them there uh, on the fertility of women, the miscarriages and, and what have you that have uh, come as a result. And at the same time, the authorities having access to that data are encouraging more and more pregnant women to have the fake vaccine. So that's not an error. That's not a mistake. That's psychopathy. And we, we need to understand that you know, someone, uh, I read somewhere once that uh, about 4% of the human population were psychopaths. No way. If you take the criteria, the top two criteria of a psychopath, 
no empathy, no compassion, then greatly larger numbers of the population are actually psychopathic. When you look the other way, because it's not my problem, that is a form of psychopathy because it's a form of deletion of empathy and compassion. So then you look at why suddenly um, men have become toxic, toxic masculinity. And when that started, I said, they're coming for the women next. And they have. Why? Because under human 2.0, they don't need men and they don't need women. Because human 2.0 is a no gender human, exactly as Huxley described in Brave New World. And so now we understand why the transgender movement suddenly appeared out of nowhere, is suddenly everywhere. It shot to the top of the politically correctness league of untouchable. Why? I'll say this to you, uh, to the transgender uh, activists, a tiny number of which will know and are helping to drive it, but the vast majority of which will not. You think the authorities are, are, are supporting you because they believe in transgender? They're supporting you because you are a stepping stone from two gender through transgender to no gender. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to um, create this no gender world, then before you can do something, quote, physically, you have to develop it psychologically. So what is happening and the reason that countries all over the world miraculously had the same thought at the same time, about the same time, what we're going to do, I've had a great idea, what we're going to do is we're going to have drag queens, you know, men with beards wearing dresses, we're going to have them go and read uh, stories to people, in, to kids in school, even small kids. And then we're going to move it on because it's always moved on. We're going to have them strutting their stuff in front of small kids. Why is that? Because the children of today will be the adults, those that survive, um, in this period when this is supposed to come in full blown. And so if you're going on a road to fusing gender, which is what this is about, then first you have to confuse gender and lose any anchor of what gender is, what sex is. And then you can so confuse people. BBC, I mean, what is it now, BBC? 26 different genders, it may even be more that they uh, identify with. It's ludicrous. It's insane. It's 2.2, not 2.2 equals 5. It's 2.2 equals 5,650. But it's all being done to confuse gender on the road to fusing gender. Um, and then you have no need for men and you have no need for women. And so men and women are going down and down the pecking order of political correctness. And now even being a woman and saying you're a woman and believing in women is a non-politically correct act. This is the level of Orwell's 2.2 equals 5 that we've got to. 
And again, you know, what they do, because they have to, they have this massive target population, all its cultures and religions and sexualities. And there's a relative few of them seeking to impose their will on that target population. First of all, they have to control the perception, but also they have to set the population at war with themselves. So the population is fighting among themselves uh, and not seeing that actually there's hands here and, oh, there's strings attached to you or I'm opposing. And the same hands got strings attached to me and I'm opposing you and you're opposing me. What's going on? What's going on? is you're being played like a stringed instrument to divide and rule the population so that the few can rule and dictate. And so now you've got transgender against women, women against men. I'm not saying everybody, of course not. I'm talking about you know, the way it's done. You've got this religion against that religion. You've got this race against this race. It's what BLM's all about. Why is BLM, Black Lives Matter, funded by multi-billionaires like Soros, who are assets of the coal, because they care about black people. Are you having a laugh? It's not there. To, wh why is the money from Black Lives Matter been spent on the leaders of Black Lives Matter buying multi-million pound properties across America? Why? Because it's not about black people. It's about using race to divide black people from white people. That's what white supremacy and all this stuff is all about. And, and, and what we need to do if we're going to get streetwise out of this is to take a breath and say the key two words that open it all up. Who benefits? Yes. Who benefits from what's happening with, with Will? Who benefits from what's happening with the, uh, the population at war with itself? Who benefits from mass censorship? Who's benefited from COVID and lockdown? Who benefits from the myth of human-caused global warming? The scientific nonsense that we're told to believe in. Who benefits from all of these things? Who benefits from the fake jab being imposed on the population? And you don't have the ability to work if you don't have it, that mandatory vaccination nonsense. Who benefits from all of those things? And it's always the same few people that at the center wish to control the population and so instead of looking at what divides us let's look at what unites us and what should unite us surely is the desire for freedom the desire to a right to your own unique opinion, to express your own uniqueness, the right to say what you think, believe what you believe, and as long as you don't impose it on anyone else, to do what you want to do. This is, this is basic freedom. The freedom to bring your kids up and, uh, and make choices about them through your responsibility for them and not have all kids brought up by the same state in the same way, just never mind their different personalities and traits. These are simple, basic things. The ability to earn a living, to put food on the table and keep warm, 
and have bit over to do some of the things you like to do. This is this is the world we could live in if we stop fighting each other and stop seeking to censor each other and just said say, well, hold on a minute. Who are we really? What is the ultimate I that we are? Is it the labels of a human life? They're just experiences, brief experiences. So, so what's the I? Well, the I, I would strongly suggest, is, basic, is, is absolutely at its, at its foundation, the consciousness that's having the experience we call human, a very brief experience. When you get to 70 like me, you know how brief it is. So therefore, hold on a minute. So we're all the same consciousness then, yeah. We're all points of attention in the same consciousness, having different experiences. You're having experiences as a black person and a, this sex or that sexuality. And I'm having experiences this. I'm having experiences in a white body. Someone's having experiences in a black body. Someone's having experiences that religion or that religion. But ultimately, we're all each other. And it's absolutely vital to this divide and rule and this mass control that humans are manipulated into believing that the brief human experience is what they are and not simply what they are briefly experiencing. Uh, and that's why this whole area of information, which I talk about at length in the books, um, is, is so um, feared by um, this cult. This, this cult um, is, um, it, it, it wants you to think that it's all powerful. It's what it wants you to think. Well, hold on a minute. They control governments, yeah. They control the banking system. They created it, yeah. They control the major global corporations, yeah. They control the media, yeah. They control like Silicon Valley, yeah. The World Health Organization, yeah. So why are they terrified of one guy speaking for half an hour in Dam Square in Amsterdam, putting another point of view? Why have they gone to this extraordinary length of banning me, not just from the Netherlands, but from 25 other countries, and because they use the same Sengen information system criteria, America, Canada, and uh, so many other countries all around the world that use that as the criteria of whether they let you in or not means I'm banned from there too, top of the, the, the 26 including the Netherlands. So I'm one guy living in a one-bedroom flat on the Isle of Wight off the south coast of England, and they need to go to those lengths? What? We are the power. We, they know we are the power. But the power comes from unity of purpose. Divided, this goes on to its conclusion. United, it can be over tomorrow. Yes. And that, David, is why it's so extraordinary in New Zealand, this country of five million that was absolutely torn asunder by this vicious woman who pretended to be so worthy, so caring, so you know, mock compassionate and was put up on the tallest tower after Christchurch, all set up so beautifully for us to believe her as she rolled up this tyranny, you know, a year later with these jabs. And that's why this baby coming in now, where she's torn us asunder, you know, north and south, farmer, non-farmer, uh, Maori, Pakiha, 
and jabbed, unjabbed. We've got, we had lines all across this country that was once so united and so collegial and caring and humane and, and tolerant. She did such a job. And here is this tiny little thing, this little baby that has these, these endlessly uh, infinite blue eyes that are like an ocean of love. And this tiny little creature that I met uh, only a week ago, we put up that. And in a week, the energy of that baby, the unconditional love and the need for a society to stand up and find the better part of itself has had such a unifying force in a country where this woman has had, I think, at least 120 in her propaganda department. And I could feel this week the propaganda department pulling out their hair their multi-million dollar salaries. How do we pull this baby down? We can pull adults down. We can do what we try to do to David Icke. And, you know, Liz Gow, I think I've had seven or eight goes from her where she tries to discredit me and call me crazy. And, you know, I mean, me, she, I mean, all her team and all her trolls and all the rest of it, we know what they do. But this baby is so far beyond her because love is so much greater than evil, and it has united this country so quickly. As you were talking about the Aldous Huxley, Huxley world, I was feeling more and more my shoulders go down, what can we do? And I remembered Mandela on Robben Island. He talks about it in his book. He said they could take everything from me, even his eyesight that he so valued because he loved reading. But he said there was one thing I would never give them, and that was my soul. Never. There's, there's two things I would say to that. Um, all of which I, I, I agree with it. Um, one is, why, why does a four-month-old baby impact upon people to the extent that they start to put the fault lines down? Because crucial to mass control is to marginalize the soul and to focus attention only in the five senses. Can I see it, touch it, taste it, etc.? Then it must exist. If I can't, then it doesn't. And it's in the realm of the five senses that the human labels operate. I am ours, I call them. Just an experience. But people think that's who they are. And if you come into the five senses enough, then you start to desensitize from... The, the basic foundations of the true eye. Because basically your attention is so focused in the realm of the five senses, this very limited, limited, tiny world, that you become um, uninfluenced by the greater self, call it the soul, whatever. And suddenly <clears throat> this little child appears in the situation that we're witnessing and it touches something it touches something that starts to break through the tyranny the prison cell of the five senses and it starts to touch something greater it's why so often a little macrocosm has had such a massive macro impact. It's because it touches the soul. And, you know, Mandela was right in the sense that 
um, they can't take our soul away. We are what people call the soul or consciousness. They can't take that away. What they can do is manipulate it and isolate it in perceptual prison cells, but they can't take it away. And they know they can't. So that's what they're terrified of. And that is of people awakening from the five sense prison cell, from the labels of a human life to the unity and the understanding of infinite reality. Uh, and they can't take that away from us. We can only take it from ourselves, at least in terms of influence, by forgetting who the I really is and believing in the label eyes, the phantom self, as I call it, of the five senses. And this is the revolution. When people talk about awakening, what is that? It's, it's awakening from the prison cell of the five senses into the greater self. And as you, as you expand into the greater self, you start to see things more. You start to see dots connect. It's not random anymore. It, it's a tapestry. It's a picture. It's not just dots. And that's what they're terrified of. That's why they want to keep us in, in, um, in the five senses uh, prison cell. And, of course, what I said earlier about connecting uh, the human brain to AI, that's fundamentally what that's about, to create through AI a five-sense prison cell that excludes the soul. That's what it's about. And, uh, you know, I, I would just say to people in, in New Zealand, just look from the heart, the true self, where the true self resides in a human life. Look from the heart at what's happening. Look at what's pushing back against it and why. And ask yourself why anything with a smear of empathy, a smear of compassion, would push back against what the parents are asking for. And if you ask that question, you will start to grasp the scale of evil with the smiling face. And then everything will start to fall into place. Because one of the hardest things it's been for me to get across in the last 30 odd years is the scale of evil that we're dealing with. And how do I define evil? The absence of love. Evil is live written backwards, appropriately, symbolically, because evil is the inversion of love. And what they're seeking to do is invert that in all of us. And if we refuse and we open the heart, first of all, when you open the heart, you start to expand into great and greater levels of consciousness because this is the true I in a human life. But you also lose the control mechanism of humanity, which is fear. When you, when you open your heart and you grasp that we're all on an infinite, eternal journey of exploring uh, forever, forever, then consequences in a human life of doing what you know to be right become irrelevant. Doing what you know to be right is the only thing that matters to this. And listing possible consequences for doing what you know to be right, this says, I'm going to list consequences for doing what I know to be right. But that's to contemplate not doing what I know to be right. That's never going to happen. Don't need the list. Thank you. Off you go. And when people do that, 
that which is seeking to control them by getting them not to do what they know to be right becomes the house of cards that it always has been and always will be. What do what can we do? We can change the world tomorrow if we want. You know, what is human society? It's the collection of human behavior. Where does human behavior come from? It comes from collective human perception. So if we change our perceptions, we must change our behavior. Our behavior comes from perceptions. And if we change behavior, we change the world. We change what we call human society. This cult can't control human society. It can manipulate us to control ourselves. And that's what it's done. And therefore, the great news is the power to change that is with us, not with some cult. The, the, you know, I've, I've said many times, this cult doesn't worry me at all because it has no power. What worries me is, or concerns me, is humans acquiescing to the cult by giving it their power. That's how we got into this mess. And, you know, people talk about, you know, what are the solutions? I'm not interested in solutions. Solutions often overwhelmingly go on to lead to more problems. You want to remove a problem, remove the cause. And when the cause is gone, the problem must go because it's, its cause is gone. And the cause is humans believing what authority tells, that tells them without question, believing that authority is, is benevolent when the whole history shows that um, authority is the opposite. And those that acquiesce to authority, even though they don't want to because they fear not doing so, that's the problem. That's the cause of the problem. Reverse that and the problem disappears and it can happen tomorrow. I remember when I was in mainstream media, David, uh, 20 years ago, I was reading the news next to these monsters I look at each night now, you know, telling lies about the the ongoing pandemic and all these numbers. It's It's just horrifying to think I ever sat on that news desk. But something that struck me at the time was the rush that Helen Clark had to disconnect New Zealand from the Privy Council, which from my legal training, I'd always loved that we could appeal to the Privy Council in England and get independent judicial review of decisions here. And the other rush she had, absolute headlong rush, was to disconnect this country from God. All our grandparents, a lot of us had grandparents, had very deep beliefs in God. What's interesting now is that Will's parents have a very deep faith and there's a vast flowering of a very personal faith in, in, in God. And rather than the um, ideologies of religion, it's many people were mandated out of their churches. So people are seeking it in a very fresh, honest, relevant way. And I remember um, dropping Helen Clark years later when I'd interviewed her about her uncle fighting for democracy and freedom in World War I. She was lauding him. And, and we were standing in front of the museum after, you know, this woman who'd, who'd gone for the head of the UN and just missed out. And she said she was going to get an Uber. And I said, oh, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a lift, Helen. Where do you need to go? And I dropped her to Mount Eden and saw this funny little figure, this, this very empty. I, I looked at her, her back receding from me and thinking, I wonder what all that ambition got you. You look such a lonely shell of a woman. And that, uh, what she's done to this country 20 years ago to try to get God out of here so that we didn't have that deep faith 
um, is somehow linked into this woman, Jacinda Ardern. I, I was told that Helen Clark used to turn up at Jacinda's school when she was about 16 and was a very seminal influence. And that was by someone who was at Jacinda's school. I haven't been able to verify that. So it is hearsay, but that, that arc of at least 20, 25 years where Helen laid the foundations for this other woman to come in and try to take away the very soul food that our grandparents used to have is now backfiring. People are coming back to a faith that is keeping them going. And that is one of the, the, um, the, ground, the grounding forces for Will's parents that keep them going. They have a very strong faith. Are you finding people are, are flowering back into a version of their faith around the world? Well, what more and more people are doing is realizing that the self-identity they had before was a fraction of their true self. And whether that manifests as a Christian belief or uh, another religious belief, uh, it, it really doesn't matter that they are symbols for the understanding that we are part of an infinite greater whole mm -hmm. and that this is just a brief human experience. Um, and that alone transforms your, so first of all, self-identity, but it transforms your perception of the world. That, you know, you're part of a greater whole. You're not this isolated, powerless um, entity uh, who, you know, takes, the, takes the, 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 the goods on the checkout. That's just what you're experiencing. It's not who you are. But they want us to believe that we are Ethel on the checkout because then we'll think we've got no power and there's nothing we can do about authority. When actually, um, Ethel is just a an experience of infinite possibility, infinite potential, infinite awareness, uh, and that process a lot, lot more people are going through, and eventually it goes beyond bricks and mortar religion, as my father called it, Absolutely. and it goes into this greater understanding of what we are an expression of that we're not subordinate to some, quote, God, but that we are an expression of that, what I call, infinite uh, awareness. I've got and a question about can, that, David, because... Um, we can tap into it, and yeah. we, can ex we can use that power, but if you're stuck in the five senses, you're disconnected from that power. Yeah. And that's the biggest conspiracy right there. That is the biggest conspiracy. Like they, call, they call us conspiracies or whatever. That is the thing that they never want you to wake up to. Can you please, um, before we wrap this up, because you've been so generous with your time, what what is it in the timeline? Because obviously the the um the um UN and the and the cabal they've got their um agenda twenty thirty to wrap in by twenty thirty. What is coming in onto this planet that um if we can just get past that twenty thirty and hold it hold our nerve and stay in our truth? What is and it, men be men and women be women? Yeah. What is what is life going to look like potentially in the good um on the other side of that twenty thirty deadline that they've got? Well, if, if we go on um, ignoring it or thinking we've got no power to change it, then it will be a world in which um, humans will be basically cyborgs and they'll be part of a hive AI mind, uh, which will be dictating their perception, thus their behavior, thus their reality. That's what they want. And they want that because 
they know they cannot control humans if humans are awake to their true self. So all this AI stuff ultimately is about shutting down access to the true self. It's it's marginalizing the soul. That's what it is. You, you know, in the end, you can look at the complexity of everything, but beyond the complexity, behind the complexity are very simple processes, and that's one of them. Di uh, disconnect five sense attention from its true and infinite self. That's what it's about. It's what AI is really all about. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't matter what level of um, imposition and manipulation that we're subjected to. If we are open to consciousness, the true expanded self, that can override everything, can override absolutely everything. I remember the story of the guy, he was a, an academic in America, and he was um, exploring the impact of LSD. And he went out into the East, and he gave this uh, LSD to um, a holy man, and uh, nothing happened. So he gave him some more, and he gave him some more, and he gave him some more. It was a heroic dose. He should have been on Mars or somewhere. And he just smiled back at him because consciousness has the power to overcome, overpower everything. And it still and always will have. The, the, the difference is whether you are connected to it or whether you are not. And if you are not, then you're one of group one or one of group two. If you are getting there, you're group three, the true renegades, who put aside fear and put aside consequences and do what they know to be right. That's where we are. And again, you know, <clears throat> because human society is basically the totality of human behavior, human perception, as consciousness expands, Perception massively changes. Behavior massively changes. Human society massively changes. So as our consciousness um, expands, human society moves more and more into a reflection of that expansion. And it's a world in which people stop fighting each other because we realize we are each other. Stop trying to impose what they believe on other people and realize that in the realm of infinite possibility, all infinity is possible. Thus, you believe your explanation or your belief is the only one, you have completely lost the plot. And where you interact and explore with other beliefs and other um, perceptions, to see if just maybe, just maybe, there may be something in those other beliefs and perceptions that might actually move you on in your understanding. And something in your perceptions and beliefs might move someone else on in their understanding. It's to understand that if you look at what the human world is, it's the most ridiculously narrow band of frequency. That's all it is. It's like a television station, radio station. And to believe that all we need to know or everything we need to know is possible in this tiny band of frequency is utterly 
uh, insane. It's like Socrates is supposed to have said in ancient Greece, wisdom is knowing how little we know. Because once you take that perception, your mind flies open because you know one thing that is unquestionable that cannot be challenged in terms of fact. Whatever we know or think we know, there's always infinitely more to know. And so people in that greater consciousness state are start to become at peace with other people having different views, different lifestyles, different ways of doing things. My philosophy on life is very simple. Do what you like so long as you don't impose it on anyone else. That's when I get interested. But short of that, do what you like. Just don't impose it on anyone else. And um, that's the kind of world that a conscious society would develop into. Uh, and it's so different from what the current unconscious society that we're getting there um, has manifested. That there, that there is the perfect place to end it on. And I hope those words resonate with everyone who's been watching. There's still a hell of a lot of people watching live from all over the world. This has been a mammoth undertaking capped off by an extraordinary guest who, as we said before, has been saying it like it is from the start. He didn't worry about getting reined in. He knew he had a purpose and a, and a point to make, and he has proven it all the way through. So you have our utmost respect, David, and um, we thank you for sharing more of the time than was allocated. So um, I'm glad we're able to steal that off you. Yeah, can't thank you enough, David, um, and for, you know, just all the wisdom you've shared over the years and um, for being a trailblazer, and we all stand on the shoulders of giants, yeah. and you have definitely um, been one of those giants, and uh, we we just can't thank you enough. Um, it's amazing. I do hope you actually um, get to come back to New Zealand one day. I would love yeah. to see you here. And, um, you we'll know, just put the old witch in jail first, clear the decks, and then bring you on in. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to come to New Zealand and visit uh, Jacinda Ardern in jail. That would be. <laughs> just don't bring her a file. Don't bring her a file. We know we're in a different world if that happened. Um, I love the, it's, it's the journey you took took us on, David. It was down, 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 down to this dystopian, you know, Huxley nightmare, and then it was suddenly rise, 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 rise to the potential of of what is in humans, really. To, what to it's like, us all. this is where we're going. This is where we could go. It's exactly. just a choice. That's all it is. But choice comes with backbone. True spirituality always comes with a spine. Mm. Been a great pleasure. Thank you very much. And thanks for all you're doing. And uh, with fingers crossed, this works out. We will know Thanks. Tuesday. We'll be um, we'll be the call is out for everyone who's anyone who's got a brain, who's got a heart. Get to that court and just show that the people of this country have drawn the line. You ain't gonna cross. And could you share Baby Will's story overseas? We do know the one thing she loathes is being seen overseas for who she really is, and not for this glorious, uh, you know, pretense, the fakery that was <laughs> propagandized as our as our dear leader overseas. She's not that. Mm -hmm. well, absolutely. I'd, I'd like to get this out to everyone I can. That's, uh, Thank you, Dave. 
we'll send you a copy um, and we will cut it up and send you a copy and you can share it out. And um, yeah, just again, thanks so much. Thanks to your boys as well. You've done a great job uh, yes. raising your family. Mm-hmm. Um, you've obviously, you know, done it in the right way that they are going to carry on that flame and um, hopefully your grandkids too in the future. And we want to thank your son Gareth too, because he was the one who interviewed us um, and got our story out overseas when we were arrested for daring to question our dear leader over the uh, Christchurch call that she has to deal with um, Facebook and that yeah. to sort of suppress. Um, so, yeah, we're still facing those, but we, we're going to win. We always do. Yeah. We'll stay strong. Thanks, no Jamie, said too. It be easy. Um, um, if, it, if it's too easy, it's not worth it. <laughs> so <laughs> That's we right. We will get there. We will. We will. Because just finally, um, you know, people say not enough people are waking up. Well, they should have been with me in 1990. And see how many. Exactly. Then, what is happening now is a global phenomenon. The numbers who are starting to see it, at least at some level, and you know, in many cases at an advanced level, is absolutely unprecedented. And um, you know, we have achieved far more than we give ourselves credit for. And uh, we must just go on doing the same and more. And uh, we will, we will overcome. Love will overcome uh, evil. Always has, always will. You've used his name a number of times. We will overcome. We will, we will. About we will oh, the baby. There Thank you go. <laughs> it was. <We> will. <laughs> thanks so much, David. Thank you. Take Thank you. Oh, and thanks to Liz. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's a real man and a real Thank woman. You. I still got no pronouns. <laughs> we'll keep it alive. Yeah. Guys, well, I, good, I... Goodbye, goodbye to them and goodbye to they. <laughs> <laughs> Forever. Yes. Very good. All right. Thanks, David. You have a good right. day and um, we'll crawl off into bed after this mammoth day. Yeah, almost come up midnight here um, soon. We'll just have some closing comments with you, Liz, and, and do a little bit of a reflection of the day. But um, thanks, David. Okay. We'll hopefully talk See to you soon. Bye. Okay, bye. Lovely to much. meet you. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network, at band.video.